there. Welcome to Not Your Mana. I am just having a thought today. Um, it comes from this old movie called First Night. It's probably my favorite movie. Um, it's like a King Arthur, Guinevere, Lancelot kind of movie. Um, and there's this scene in which King Arthur, who is Sean Connery, is talking to Lancelot, who is Richard Gere. And um, King Arthur is offering him a seat at the round table. He's like, come and be one of my knights. And, and Lancelot says, oh, like if you knew me better, you wouldn't offer me a prestigious position, meaning like I've got a dicey past, I've got a dicey story. You wouldn't invite me to be one of your knights if you knew. And King Arthur replies and says, listen, I can't love people in slices. I take the good with the bad. And um, I just love that line. I can't love people in slices. And he says it in, as only Sean Connery can. Like, I can't love people in slices. And it's just, it's just so memorable. Um, and when I think about that, I go, I, I don't want to be a person who loves people in slices. I for sure don't want to be loved in slices. I want, if someone's going to love me, I want them to love all of me. But then it makes me think like, do we try to love God in slices? Do we try to say, Hey, this slice, I really like this slice makes a lot of sense to me. This slice I would like to worship, but these slices over here, I don't really understand or don't really like, or don't really want to worship, or I would rather ignore, or do we do that to God? Do we kind of say, Hey, um, these slices are in, but these slices are out. Some slices are really easy for me. Like I would say that love is a really powerful, popular slice of the God pie right now where it's like, yeah, like God is love and love is God. And um, I would think a lot of people would say, hey, if you want to be like God, you just, you just love. And um, I think God is love. I think God is the definition of love. But that's one slice of God. He's, there's also other slices of God. Like God is a just God and God is a holy God and God is a mighty God. God is an eternal God. He's got lots of slices. And um, how do we not be people who embrace the slices that are easy for us or the ones that readily make sense to us? And how do we seek to know all of God and say, God, I want to know what all of you is like. I want to know the depth of your character. I want to know the parts of you that are not natural for me because I want to know you. Like, I feel like if someone wanted to know me and they were like, Hey, like we just want to know, uh, the cheerleader part of you, you might, if you only listen to me on my podcast, you might not know. I kind of have a cheerleader persona. Um, even though I was never really a cheerleader, but, um, anyway, what if someone's like, I just want to know this like fun, peppy, playful slice of your pie, but I don't want to know like the, this other part of you or the deeper part of you or the part of you that has a podcast. Like it would just be kind of offensive if somebody was like, this part is welcome at the table, but this part is not. Um, I think maybe some of us live in families, maybe extended families like that. Like if you go home to your parents, your in-laws or something and people are like, Hey, like this part of you is not welcome here. Um, like maybe like if, if your family doesn't follow God and maybe they go, Hey, we're not the, the part of you that follows God. That's not welcome here. Like, how does that feel to be loved in slices 
and to go, Hey, part of you, you better check at the door. Um, I don't want to do that to God. And I think in our culture, I think we might be doing that to God. Pretty sure we are actually. Um, and that we're saying the part of him that is love and love for the marginalized and fighting for justice, that he's a just God and that he loves those on the fringes. I go that, I think that part of God is very, very welcome in our culture. I think there's also other parts of him that maybe we don't, um, hold as highly. Like for example, his holiness. Like I think, uh, just to go that God is holy, like to the point that the people who were had kind of a grip on that slice of his character were like speechless and, um, isn't it Isaiah who just goes like, holy, 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 like just, he just, he's just is so stunned with the power of the holiness and that all I can do to explain it is just to like soak in it and repeat it. Um, and I think, you know, I think even like when we pray, do we pray and we realize like we are talking to a holy God, a very powerful God, you know, and I think when we pray sometimes we go hey god or like hey jesus what's up and i go and i get that i go god is our friend and our brother he is also our lord and our king and do we actually hold both and not just one um or the one that seems easier or more natural to us do we actually hold tension and hold both like because i think um I think we really like God being savior. Like we want, we go, yeah, like Jesus is savior. Like he's going to come and he's going to save us from our sins and, and he's going to rescue us. And it's this great gift of salvation, which is the gospel. But the other part is that he's also our king. He asks for your life. He bids you come and die. He goes, give your life to me. That is a, that's a, that's a, a king ask. And like, I don't think it's a mistake that he uses this imagery of a kingdom that when Jesus says the kingdom of God is like, blah, 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 blah. Like he didn't, he, he purposely talks about a kingdom, which of course then there is a king who is in charge. And what happens in a kingdom when you don't obey and follow the king? It doesn't go well for you. So it's not just that he's just our friend or our brother. He's also a king. And I think that, um, you know, I think sometimes different slices of God will say become more popular than others. I do think that um, it's true that different people get to know different parts of the character of God better than they know other parts of the character of God. I think there's just different people who are in touch with different parts of him in different ways because that's what God's revealed to them or because that's part of their story and how the relationship with God has come to be. Um, so I think that that's true. Just like with me, I go, I think there's some people who like really know the like funny, playful cheerleader part of me. And then there's some people who know the really deep thinking other part of me. And there's probably more parts to me than that. But I, I think, I don't think that it's bad that we know some parts different than others, but I do think it's dangerous when we pick and choose what parts of God's character that we would like to have. And then we hang on to those. I think Moses was probably one of the people who really gripped God's holiness. I think his experiences on Mount Sinai and getting the 10 commandments and such would have really helped him understand the holiness. And also when like Moses would hang out with him, you know, and then later his, uh, 
his face would be radiant and glowing and he'd have to wear a veil to not, I don't know, frighten, overwhelm, or glare into people's eyes. I don't know why he has to wear a veil exactly, but I'm like, I think he probably experienced the glory of God and like the wonder and the holiness of God in a way that maybe many of us don't. Um, and so of course he has a really deep grip on what that looks like. Um, I have been reading, it's in Exodus 34, 33 and 34, where that story is where, um, Moses asks to see his, to see his glory. And, um, this is Exodus 33, 19. He, the Lord answers, I will cause my goodness to pass in front of you and I will proclaim my name, the Lord in your presence. I think that's really interesting that he's like, okay, you want to know me? I'm going to proclaim my name in your presence. I'm like, what a interesting thing. Like what must it be about the name of God that he goes, and when I say it in your presence, that will be you experiencing my glory. Isn't that crazy? And then he says, I will have mercy on whom I have mercy and I will have compassion on whom I have compassion, but you cannot see my face for no one may see me and live. There is a place near me where you can go stand on the rock. And when my glory passes by, I will put you in the cleft of the rock and cover you with my hand until I have passed by. And then I will remove my hand and then you will see my back, but my face you must not see. So Moses gets to see just, he gets to hear the name of God proclaimed in his presence, which I wonder if that's what made his face radiant or was it just even just the, you know, the tail end of the glory of God that he could glimpse after God pulled his hand off. Um, that's just really interesting. So then right after that, he, he, he tells him he's going to make him some new 10 commandments. This is just kind of funny. This is uh, chapter 34. The Lord says to Moses, chisel out two stone tablets, like the first ones. And I'll write on them, the words that were on the first tablets, which you broke, <laughs> be ready in the morning and come up to Mount Sinai. I think <laughs> it just sounds like a, um, you know, like he's being gracious. He's being like a gracious parent. who's like, I will make it do it again, but you broke them. You know, it's like, I will make you your scrambled eggs again, but you did drop them on the floor. Um, so I will make you new ones because you broke the first ones. And then he says this. So then the, um, verse five, so 34, five, then the Lord came down in a cloud and stood there with Moses and proclaimed his name, the Lord. He's proclaiming the name Yahweh, which, you know, Jews don't even say, cause they say it's so holy. Like what if we accidentally said it in vain? So, but he goes, you know, I mean, I'm like, does this just to hear God himself proclaim his own name must have been just crazy, beautiful town. So then he passed in front of Moses proclaiming this, listen to this. He goes, the Lord, the Lord, he says it twice, the Lord, the Lord, the compassionate and gracious God slow to anger and abounding in love and faithfulness, maintaining love to a thousands and forgiving wickedness, rebellion, and sin. I'm just going to read that again. Cause I just think it's so good. It's because he comes and he proclaims his name, the Lord. And I wonder if this is like a extension of what he means by his name, the Lord, the Lord, the compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness, maintaining love to thousands and forgiving wickedness, rebellion, and sin. Like, oh yeah. But then he also says this, yet he does not leave the guilty unpunished. 
He punishes the children and their children for the sins of the fathers to the third and the fourth generation. Oh, and I go like, oh, that's not the part of the pie I like as much. I really like that first part that I read to you twice about the part about being slow to anger and abounding in love and faithfulness, maintaining love to thousands, I go, forgiving wickedness, rebellion, and sin. And, but then he also, he goes, and also I don't leave the guilty be unpunished. And part of me goes like, oh, like that's a little harder to digest. Like when you're talking about God punishing or judging people or like, I'm like, what does that mean? And what does that look like? And, and God, is that really in your character? And there's a part of me that go, I don't want to understand that. I just like the first part, but I go, that's just me picking a part of the pie and going, I, this part's easier for me to digest. This part's easier for me to talk about and explain to people in 2021. Um, but all of it is in God's character and I need to understand all of it because one does not negate the other. Like, what does it mean for God to have, he says he does not leave the guilty unpunished. So what does it mean also for people to the guilty to be punished, but also in light of this crazy love that we just talked about, that he's slow to anger and abounding in love and faithfulness, maintaining love and forgiving wickedness. Like there's this something you go, what does it look like to, um, be disciplined by the Lord when that discipline is wrapped in such extreme and powerful love? Like, I think it feels like how like a good parent disciplines their child is just really different than like a judgmental, angry God who's going to throw a lightning bolt on you if you step out of line. So I'm like, I think we actually have to digest both. One of those is easier for me to digest than the other. Actually, there's lots of thoughts in there, but half of it is like, yep, that's easy for me to digest. The other part of it, I go, God, help me understand that. Because if I don't want to love you in slices, I actually have to understand all of it. Um, so Lord, help me, help me with the parts that, um, that feel harder to me. And then, um, I think it's interesting. This is verse down in verse 14. And, um, one of the things God says, he says, do not worship other gods. He's talking about when you go into the new land, do not worship other gods for the Lord, whose name is jealous is a jealous God. Do not worship other gods for the Lord, comma, whose name is jealous comma is a jealous God. And when it says whose name is jealous, the J is capitalized like that. That's actually his name. I'm like, that's interesting. The one of the names of the Lord is jealous, that he is a jealous God. And I'm like, I wonder, and it says it a little bit more, just, it's not just an adjective. It's actually an, he turns it into a noun. So it's not just like he is a jealous God. Yes. That would be a descriptor jealous in the sense of like, if you worship other gods, I will be jealous and I want all of your affection and your worship for myself, but that he says, whose name is jealous and he capitalizes it. So I'm like, Oh, that's interesting that he's saying there's some slices of my character. This is what it's called. Um, so I'm kind of tempted with myself. I go, I kind of want to draw a pie in my journal somewhere, or maybe I'll be real artistic and use like colored pencils or something. Um, but I'm not really that kind of person. So you know, probably not. But what if I made a pie and I started to draw on the different pieces of the pie, um, different things that I know to be true about the character of God? And what if I was really honest with myself about, um, one, what God calls himself, and then what parts are really easy for me and what parts would I rather turn away from? And, um, and that I, and what parts are really hard for me to understand? And would I ask God to show me the fullness of his character 
because I don't want to love him in slices. I don't want to extract things out of his character and pretend that they're the only thing about him. I want to know all of him and I want him to be able to say, Hey, this is who I am. If he says I am a jealous God and my name is capital J jealous. If he says that about himself, I go, God, I got to really understand what you mean by that. Cause that's something that you say is true of you. So I want to understand what you mean by that fully. And I want to know you God all the way through, not part way, not a little bit. I want to know you God all the way through. Let's hop on over to Galatians five, where it talks about the fruits of the spirit. Um, cause I think that that might inform a little bit about what some of the slices of God are. And so this is what it says. The fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. So these are the things that are true of God and therefore They should be true of people who are full of God. So if the Holy Spirit is living in you, these are the things that should be the fruit of that in your life. This should be what naturally comes out of you when you are full of the Spirit. When you get squeezed, does love and joy and peace and patience come out of you? Does kindness and goodness come out of you when you get squeezed? When things get hard, do faithfulness and gentleness come out of you? Um, What about self-control? I, I go, I think, I think that these things are characteristics of God. And when you are full of God, these are the things that will come out of you. Like, I, I love thinking like God is a God of self-control. God is a God of patience. God is a God of goodness. Some of those things, I, it's helpful for me to put them in a different order. So I don't just recite them, but I really think about them. What does that mean? And what does that slice of God mean? And do I know that part of him? Do I know the slice of God that is called kindness? Do I know the depth of what that, and if I don't, if I go, God, I actually, I don't think I think of you as kind. Then I should be asking God, God, will you show me your kindness? Will you show me what that really means? Do I understand the peace of God or the gentleness of God? Do I understand the self-control of God? That's just interesting. So are those slices things that I understand? Um, and then, you know, I guess a little, ex- little uh, extension of that idea is, am I, do I look that way? When I get squeezed, is that what's coming out of me? Um, when Christians in general get squeezed, when the church in America gets squeezed, is this what comes out of us? Is this what we look like? And if we're not, we got to get in touch with that part of the character of God and go, Lord, will you teach me what it looks like to be your child in such a way and to understand this part of your character more deeply so that I can be transformed more into the image of your son so that when life gets hard and I get squeezed, that this is actually what comes out of me. So my encouragement, I think, would be is if you could to spend a little time to look for some manna from the Lord to you that he might be trying to give something to you One, would you do the uh, pieces of the pie exercise? Would you go like, all right, well, let's look at some of the slices of God. And can I acknowledge which ones are really easy for me or that I really like? And can I acknowledge the ones that are harder for me? And can I look for some that I might not even know exist? And um, 
and start to say, can I get to know this part of you and start to ask God about those pieces. So my other idea is, is, um, have you ever thought about what God's name for you might be? Like, you know, when you, when you love someone that you have like a nickname for him, um, do you, what do you think? Does God have a name for you? Sometimes, sometimes people go like, oh yeah, like I really, I know that in my heart. And sometimes you're like, actually, I have no idea. So there are some things that God calls me. And then, and when, um, sometimes when I see he'll hint at those things in the world and he'll help remind me of who I am and how he sees me. Um, so do you know the name that God has for you? And he might have multiple and they might change over time. Um, but are you kind of in touch with when God looks at you as his beloved child, what are some of the thoughts that rise up in his heart about you? Maybe some, maybe what are some adjectives that might rise up in God's heart and like what's truest about you and how he made you to be? So what are some adjectives about that? And then are there any nouns that he goes like, this is actually a name that maybe you could capitalize because that's maybe what he's calling you either always, or maybe just in this season. Um, and then I I just love you for to flip that around. And is there a name that you would want to call God, like God, the faithful, like, could you just go, Oh, you're the faithful one. Like, or is there just something like in this season, is there a nickname that God would say, Hey, Will you call me this? Will you be reminded of this part of my character? I was doing this exercise once with some girls and, um, and I asked them, you know, what, is there anything that God would like you to call him? And she kind of laughed after we kind of sat in silence for a while and listened and asked God that question. And then she came back, came back and she goes, it was so amazing. He asked me to call him gusher. And I was, we were like, what? Tell us more. He goes, because he's such a gusher. Like he's always gushing love and mercy. And he's just a gusher. Sometimes I think that he's like stingy and he's not, he's such a gusher. And I just, I just love that story. And I just am like, I think about that all the time. And then, so when we would pray together, we were on a trip together. And so then every morning when we'd pray and she, when she would pray, she'd go, good morning, gusher. And I just was like, oh, like that was this part of his character that he was trying to remind her of because she was a not in a season where she felt like that was super true. So she was like, God wants me to remember and call him gusher for a little while. And so she did. And it was so fun. And now I always think of that and I go, you know, it is good for me to go, Oh, good morning gusher, because that is true of him. So if that, whatever slice of the pie, you go, I might need to chew on that for a while. Would God give you a name? Say, Hey, maybe you could nickname me that for a while and call me that for a little while in order to kind of massage that into your heart a little bit. So those are my challenges for you. Um, and if, if you either, if God gives you a name or you have a name for God, or if you do the piece of the pie thing, um, I would just encourage you to share that with somebody who you walk with and just go, Hey, can I just tell you what kind of bubbled up for me in this? I just think it's important to kind of own that and name that and share that with people. Um, I think what feels weird about doing this podcast is that in general, I go, this is something I'd want to do with people that I sit with and that we get to talk about this. And so I'm just going to ask you that if, if God's kind of showing you some things in this, that you would find somebody or some people 
a group of people to just to share that with and talk about it with because it's important to name and just to say out loud, this is what I think God is doing in me because um, it's important. You and him is the most important relationship in your life. So give it some air time. Um, let's pray. God, will you help us to know you? Not to know you in slices, but to know all of you deeply and fully. Um, God, I pray that you would help me, that you'd help all of us to see the places where we don't understand you or it's not natural. Um, help us to understand and know the fullness of you and help us to know you as you really are. God, we love you. We say that you are holy and that you are God and thank you that you love us so extravagantly and you want to be in relationship with us. Help us to know you and follow you. In Jesus' name, amen.